Grab a seat and grab your Bible and turn with me, if you will, to the New Testament book of Mark. This is one of four books in the New Testament that we call Gospels, which is simply means good news because it's all about Jesus. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the four Gospels are good news about Jesus Christ. We're walking uh, verse by verse, section by section through this beautiful book. And we've been doing so for a number of weeks, and we are coming right to the cusp, right to the moment where things are about to uh, get serious for Jesus. But before we get into today's text, I just want to welcome everyone. If you are a guest, we are so glad that you're a part of our family today. Consider yourselves our VIP. You're very important to us, and more importantly, you're important to God, so welcome. And to all of our guests viewing, whether it's in the cafe or online, welcome. Today is a good day. Amen, church? Amen. And let me tell you why. You say, well, why is it a good day? Well, here's the, here's the, good, here's the reason it's a good day. Are you ready? Jesus Christ is not dead. He is alive. And we have life in him. That makes it a good day. Amen? I almost had a picture up here this morning, but I don't. So pretend with me for a moment that I have a picture of my older sister. Her name is Megan. Megan is my buddy. She's a great gal. She's a good friend. And she is... A gifted, some of you will know what I mean when I say this, she is a gifted shopper. How many of you know someone with a spiritual gift of shopping? Anyone in here? Now, now listen, there's, there's spiritual gift of shopping, and then there's the spiritual gift of shopping. And you know what the difference is between this and this spiritual gift of shopping? The deals they find. My sister, she can go into a place... And it may be 100%, it may be original price, and when she walks out, they are getting her money as she is leaving. Not just the item, but they're they're like, here, just take everything with you. And so she goes out. She gets great deals, and she's just this great shopper. And In fact, we were talking about it. She said, hey, Josh, you want to know what three of the greatest words in all the world are? I said, what are they? She said, these are three of the greatest words, everything, must Go. Everything must go. You come up, you see that on a window, and what do you know, shoppers? Oh, it's a good day. You're, you're going to get a lot of good stuff for not a lot of money. Now, listen, if you are a business owner, you understand that you're not just trying to be nice to the shopper, are you? If you are the owner of a store, and when you put these three words up on the window or on the sign or when you put it on the pamphlets or whenever, wherever you may place it, you know the reason you're doing this is because you have new inventory coming in. Maybe it's the new fall line. A new season is coming. The old season is gone. A new season is coming. New stuff is coming in. And for you to have space for the new things, you have to get rid of the old things. Let me put it this way. You know that for you to get in the things that are most profitable to your business, the things that are no longer profitable have to go. I wonder if we as Christ followers this morning could adopt the everything must go mentality when it comes to the things that are no longer profitable in our lives, the things that are no longer leading us in greater devotion, greater affection, greater commitment to Christ, but maybe the things that are not on their face bad, but they are last season 
They are no longer profitable. And I know for some of us in here, you're saying, God, I'm ready for what's next. I'm ready for that next thing in my life. I'm ready to walk faithfully with you. And he is going to say, that's great. But before the new can come, everything else must go. So we're going to look at a story, a text, a moment in Jesus' ministry where he encounters a man. And he says to this man, look, you're asking about the new season. You're ready for what's next. But before we can get there, you just need to know that everything must go. And so we read this in Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one's good except God alone. You know the commandments, don't Murder, don't commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was just a little boy. Tell you what, let me uh, go ahead and flip that one off. We're going to use this, okay? Verse 21 said, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had, say these two words with me, great wealth. Let's say that again, great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And verse 24, the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, notice this, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, beautiful words, church, listen to these. He said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. And so say this last line with me, ready? But all things are possible with God. And the whole church said, let's pray together. Father, we thank you that although nothing is possible in our own strength, all things are possible with you. Lord, we pray this morning that you would speak into us, that you would give us what we need so we can follow you more closely. Holy Spirit, would you please work in us? Go before us in this text, make a way for us so that we can be faithful, not just hearers, but faithful doers of what we learn. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. It's in your name that all of God's people said, amen. Get the scene. Are you ready? The man comes to Jesus. Jesus is on his way. Jesus has been making his way, in fact, south from Caesarea Philippi, which is in the northern part, past Galilee, past Judea, past the Israelite-dominated area. And he's made his way south from Caesarea Philippi in chapter 8, down into Galilee, then into Judea. And as he is on his way, a man comes up to him. And what's interesting about this is Jesus is always absolutely crowded by people. And yet this man has no difficulty coming right up to Jesus. It's almost as though he is able to gain access to Jesus immediately. No one stops him. No one comes in his way. No one tries to push him out or say, wait, he doesn't have time. And we learn the reason is, is because this man is a somebody. 
How many of you know a somebody? This may be a somebody because of what they have possessions-wise, or maybe they're a somebody because of their relationships, or they're a somebody because people know them, or they're a somebody because of what they have built. But this man, he was a somebody. In fact, we know of this man as the rich, say it with me if you know this, the rich, young ruler. Yeah, rich, young ruler. And you say, well, where's that in the text? Well, it's in three different texts that we put together to get this. This event is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in Mark, we're told that he is rich. In Matthew, we are told that he is young. And in Luke, we are told that he is a ruler. So he is the rich, young ruler. He's a somebody, so he gains access. He falls to Jesus. He kneels before him and he says, teacher, good teacher, not just a regular teacher, good teacher. What must I do? And it's almost before he can finish the question, Jesus interrupts him. He says, wait, 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 wait. Let's let's roll back the tape here. Why do you call me good, Jesus asks. Nobody is good except for God. Now, some people will tell you the reason he says that is Jesus is saying he is not God. That's not what's going on here. He's making a clarifying question that he's hoping will become a profound statement in this man's life. He is saying, you are using a title for me, but I need to know up front, are you calling me good as a form of flattery, or are you calling me the son of God? Are you simply saying, hey, you are a thoughtful person, you are one of many voices I may consider, or am I God, and I am the only voice you will listen to? Let's get this straight. And by the way, we do this in our day and age as well, don't we? We come to Jesus and we will say things. We'll say, oh, he's a good teacher. He's, he's a thoughtful instructor. He's a wonderful man. But we will not treat him as the sole voice in our lives. In fact, I love what a guy named Mike Glenn says. He says, every one of us has what's called a board of directors in our mind. You know what this is like, right? You have a group of people sharing headspace in your brain to whom you consult when things happen in life. So someone strikes you against the cheek. And so you go to your board of directors, and you go to one of the members on the board. You go to Jesus. You go, hey, Jesus, I just got hit. What should I do? And Jesus says, well, that's simple. Turn the other cheek. And you say, well, that's very interesting, Jesus. Thank you for that advice. I'll take it under advisement. Now, let's see what another board member says. Let's see what Clint Eastwood would say about this situation. Clint, what should I do? And so when we come to Jesus, Jesus is asking this man up front, Am I just another voice that you will consider, or am I the voice that you will obey? And he's going to ask you and me that question because discipleship, being a follower of Jesus, means that he is the one voice that we listen to, we walk with, we obey. And so he asks the question, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Now, this is such a weird statement to me. Because he puts the words do and inherit in the same sentence. They don't go together. To get an inheritance, you are most likely a part of the family that you are born in. Certainly, that's how the Jewish people thought of it, that to receive a father's inheritance, the father's possessions when he passed on, that you would receive it because you were a part of the family. And yet this man is asking, hey, what do I need to do to get an inheritance? 
How many Christians do you know think that they are constantly having to do to receive the inheritance that has already been given because they've been adopted into God's family? But he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus, all right, well, we'll answer the question based on the way you're asking it. And so Jesus says, well, you know the commandments, right? And he starts to list them out. He says, well, do not kill, do not steal, do not lie, do not commit adultery, honor your mom and dad. You know the rules. And the guy says, Jesus, I've been doing this since I was a little boy. Now, now, by the way, at this moment, the little skeptic that lives in my heart wants to speak up. Does anyone else? I want to be like, if I were in that crowd, I'd want to go, uh, Jesus, do you want, to, you want to fact check that at all? I mean, anything here? But he doesn't. He doesn't. He says, I have kept all those commands since I was a little boy. Now, church, you know the, the Ten Commandments, right? The Ten Commandments. You, you do know the Ten Commandments, right? Do, tell me I don't have to go back to Exodus and like preach all the way up to Mark. It will be here forever. Okay. okay, Ten Commandments. There are ten of them. There's the first clue, right? Okay. They're divided in vertical commandments and horizontal commandments. Vertical commandments are the commandments that are about us and God. Horizontal about us and one another. How we interact and treat one another. Jesus doesn't list any vertical commandments in this moment. He doesn't. He says, how are you doing with other people? And he goes, oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And then Jesus says, okay, you lack one thing. Let's talk about the vertical for a moment. And did you notice what he said? He said, you lack one thing, verse 21, go sell everything you have. Give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now listen, this is a hard teaching from Jesus. I've heard preachers try to soften this and make it seem easier than it really was. How many of us, if Jesus came to you and said, everything you own, I want you to get rid of it so you can follow me. How many of us would go, that's a cakewalk. I can do that. This is a hard commandment. So we are not going to minimize what he is saying, but Jesus Jesus did this, hear me now, not because he was mad or angry at the man. Do you know what it says immediately before, go and sell your possessions? We are told something. In fact, this is the only time in the Gospel of Mark that these words are uttered. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Nowhere else in the gospel of Mark and to no one else did Jesus say those words or were those words said. In fact, if we'd been there, we'd have watched this expression come over Jesus' face. Everyone knew that this was true, that Jesus loved this man. Hear me now. Jesus did not tell him to let go of the possessions, to sell these things because he was mad, disappointed, or angry. It is because of love that Christ said, we need to deal with what is anchoring your soul down. Before the new can come, everything must go. And church, I just need to invite you to consider for a moment, what is that one thing in your life today that is wrapped around your neck like an anchor? And if you do not cut it loose, it will kill you. What is that one thing that if you were to say, I just don't know if I could let go of this, what would this be? 
And it's never out of anger or it's never out of judgment. It's never out of, I want to destroy you, that Christ calls people in Scripture to let go of things. He does it out of love. In fact, the word there, he says, he looked at the man. And that word looked is the Greek word blepo. Everybody say blepo. Good job. It doesn't mean simply to, to look, like to glance. It means to see deeply, intently, to genuinely know. You know, sometimes we think, well, I, God would not love me if he really knew. Other people certainly wouldn't love me if they really knew. Hear me now. Jesus knows everything about this man, and he loves him. Jesus knows everything about you, and he loves you still. That's good news. It means you can't surprise him. It's not like in a dating relationship where you try to look really good on the first few dates. Hello. You get dressed up. You wear a little bit of that spray. You do all the right things. You practice what you're going to say, what you're not going to say. You take the girl to the right restaurant. By the way, fellas, I did something really bad on my first date. It was a dumb idea. Don't do this. I took my wife to a restaurant that serves spaghetti and nothing else. And so there's no polite way to eat spaghetti. And so it's like... It's not good. Okay, so just, just don't do that. It, it doesn't go well. But here's the deal. You try to look good, and then comes the day where the person, if they stick with you long enough, they begin to see that you're not perfect. Here's the good news. Jesus already knows it, and yet he already loves you. But he says, because I love you, there's some things you've got to let go, because if you don't, it's going to kill you. All right, what about that monkey? Anyone want to know about that monkey for a moment here? How many of you have heard the story of the monkey in the jar. Any of you have heard this story? Now, I could tell you the story, but I'd rather kind of show you the story this morning. Could I, could I do that? And, and I see someone, Bill, Mr. Bill Grick, could you come here for just a moment here? He's going, I should not have sat in the center row on this morning. Come on up here. Hey, would you just make him feel welcome and happy to be here? Hey, buddy. Good. All right. So here's the way the story goes. Now, I don't know if this is a true story, but we're going to pretend for a moment like it is. In many different parts of the world, there are these things called monkeys. How many of you have seen a monkey? Some of you are going, that's my children. They're just there. They climb over everything. They're messy. They eat with their hands and their feet. It's just, yeah, I got it. Okay. Well, there was this way of catching monkeys. After a while, some of the hunters in some parts of the world said, you know, we're hungry. We see monkeys. We think monkey might taste good. We'd like to get a monkey. But how do you catch a monkey? So they got this idea. We'll take something like a gourd or a coconut or something that is large, but cut just a narrow hole in it. Now, for us, we're not going to have that. In fact, Bill, we're not going to use a gourd or anything like that. I've just got a little glass dish here. But the way it would work is the monkey would see something yummy inside. Maybe it's a banana or some nuts. And monkey goes, I'm hungry. And so the monkey would stick his hand in it. Come on, monkey, get it in there. You can do it. Oh, it may not come out. You just want to wave to everyone? Okay, yeah. We should have measured beforehand. Now, here's the deal. The monkey can get his hand in, but only barely. Monkey grabs onto those items. Now, we've got some great little things in there. Go ahead, just grab those. And if you want, will you just kind of pull those out for us? Just go ahead. Just See, now here's the problem. Monkey can't get it out. Now, monkey may not get it out even without those things in his hand. But monkey has his hand stuck. 
He could get it in when he wasn't holding on, but once he grabs on to those items, all of a sudden, his hand's in a fist. It's bigger than the hole. Monkey can't get it out. And notice there's a little string attached to a stake in the ground or wrapped around a tree. Monkey's going, oh, no, I can't get my food. And the hunters are hiding behind the tree going, but we just got ours. And as the story goes, the monkey, because he will not let go, will not let go, will not let go, he refuses to let go of that which he thinks is so important, he is trapped by what he wants, and he cannot get free. You can let go, and let's see if you can get free. Hey! Give Bill a hand. Good job. Now, now track with me for a second here. Jesus loved this man so much that when this man honestly asked, what must I do to align myself with you, to walk with you, to be a part of this movement, to experience eternal life, that Jesus said, I love you too much to tell you everything's okay. There's something in your life that you have gripped so tightly, you think it's what gives you life gives you freedom, gives you hope, and it is the one thing that is anchoring you to death. Everything has to go. You need to let this go or things will go bad for you, but the story does not end on the note we all would like for it to. You don't have that wonderful verse where the man says, okay, I'll do it. So we're told that his face fell. For he was a man who had great wealth. We might say that he was a man who had a lot of stuff. He possessed all these things. He had the the things that we all want. And what became clear is that he didn't have a lot of stuff, but his stuff had him. And he goes away sad. Now listen to what he gave up here, church. These are such important words. Do you notice this? In verse 21, it says, Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Now, here it is. Then, come, follow me. Do those words sound familiar to anyone else in this room? Those are the exact same words that were spoken by Jesus to Peter, to James, to John, to the twelve disciples. Jesus is offering this man the role of the 13th disciple, and he goes, I can't. I can't. I'd rather have a trinket than have freedom. I'd rather have something instead of someone, instead of Jesus. And he walks away sad. So let's just walk through this a little application this morning. Real simply put is this. Are you ready? To follow Jesus means that we must consider what has hold of our hearts. And often it's the things that we hold on to most dearly. That following Jesus, to go where he goes, do what he does, to live how he lives, to experience the freedom that he has called us to, it means evaluating what's going on in the interior of my life. Now I know... This passage seems like it's only about money. It's not just about money. You understand that, right? Because he says it's hard for anyone who has great wealth and trusts their wealth 
to get into heaven, to come into relationship with God for eternal life. By the way, that phrase, eternal life, it doesn't mean infinite number of years, although we will be with God forever and ever, but eternal life is not just length, it is depth of life. It is richness of life. Here's the thing, sometimes I think certain things will give me life. In fact, Jesus is saying, Josh, you have put your hope in those, you have trusted in those, and those will not give you what only I can give you. It will not satisfy. And so he calls us, you let go. Everything must Go, if you want to follow me, you cannot hold on to some things. And we know it's not that he's against riches. A lot of rich guys in the Bible. There's Abraham, Job, Joseph of Arimathea. The issue here is what do you trust for eternal life? Is it Jesus or is it your junk? Do you trust your Savior or your stuff? What do you lean into? How do you follow him well? Wouldn't it be good if we could go up to Jesus, just run up to him, Jim, just to, you know, sometime find him and just, just say, hey, Jesus, what, what, how am I doing? What, what, what do you see? And I know we have the scriptures, which is a great mirror that shows us stuff, but sometimes I need a voice in my life, and I, maybe you do as well. Let me just give you three things real quickly here. If you want to jot this down, how do you evaluate if you're holding on to something that's anchoring your heart Here's the first thing I would tell you. Go ahead and put this number one up. First question I ask is, when was the last time I asked someone to tell me the truth about me? When was the last time I asked someone to tell me the truth about me? Church, you need to have not one, but a couple people that you can ask, how am I doing? And they will tell you the truth. You need people who love you too much to lie to you. How many of us know we have, we have good friends and then we have something in our teeth kind of friends? You know what I'm talking about? Good friends, things are going fine. They'll compliment you. They'll say you did a good job. But, but food in the teeth kind of friends, you know what those friends are, right? You smile and you got that piece of lettuce from earlier in the day. It's been there for four hours. Everyone's seen it. No one said anything about it because they're embarrassed to. But this is that one friend who goes, hey, Bob. You, you got a salad bar in your face. How many of you have someone that you're able to go to and say, tell me the truth about me because I don't see all there is to see in me? When was the last time you went to someone and said, tell me the truth about me? If you're not doing this, chances are there is something that has wrapped itself around your life that will keep you from the eternal life, not just in the future, but the depth of life now that God has called you to. Here's the second question. Who, and this is an important one, who have I granted permission to tell me the truth about me? Who have I granted permission to tell me the truth about me? You understand that people will often not tell you the truth unless you tell them they're welcome to do so. And and this is just the reality of life. We need permission to speak truthfully often with one another. And by the way, the more you grow in your success... The wealthier you you become, the more accomplished you are, the more well-known you are, whatever your, your status ladder goes up as you get older, whatever it is, the higher you go, the harder it will be for you to find people who will be honest with you because they want to impress you. You don't need people who are impressed by you, but who will impress upon you what is good, true, and right. 
Who are the people that you have granted permission to tell you the truth about you? And here's the last one. Are you ready? When was the last time I let go of something? When was the last time? You need to know there's about four or five people that I can go to right now and who I do go to. In fact, this week I spoke with two of them. And on a very specific matter, I said, hey, here's what's going on in this particular area of my life. Do you see anything in here at all that is out of alignment? And we had a very honest conversation about it. And it is painful at times, but I would far more rather let go of things that are holding me in this season that may anchor me to a moment that I do not want to live in and miss out on God's goodness. I would rather let go of all that than miss out on what God has planned. I'd rather let go of that than not see what God wants me to see. In church, this is so important. You, you, you have a beautiful future in front of you if you are willing to. Two, ask the question. And then when he, through the kindness of a friend or the revelation of Scripture, reveal to you something, and maybe it's not money, maybe it's, it's your, it's, well, it could be anything, couldn't it? For some in here, it's not going to be money. For some, it's going to be a particular relationship that you need to let go of. By the way, it will not always be bad things that God tells us to let go of. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes from whom, church? From whom? From whom? It comes from God. This man's wealth, was that a good gift? Absolutely. Uh, Let me just ask you, is your paycheck a good gift? Yeah. It came from God. Yet, God himself says, I gave you a good gift. I need you to let it go so I can give you a better gift now. It is possible that some of us are going to miss the blessing of God because we're holding on too strongly to a previous blessing from God. And when he says, let go, we say no. Here's the reality I cannot receive from God if I live with a clenched fist. Everything must go. Everything must go. What is it in your life that God says, let it go and you can follow me? What is it that's going on that God wants to liberate you from? Or let me just expand it a little bit more. What is it for you that maybe you need to take an inventory of your life? Or maybe it's not you. Maybe it's someone that you love deeply and God is saying, you need to share lovingly with this person this area. Or maybe this morning you just simply need to say, God, help me to see it. And you want to pray with someone or you want to pray for someone. Or maybe, maybe where we are this morning, you're just kind of going, man, I, I just, it's all well and good, but you don't know what's been going on this week. My life has blown up and this is a fine message, but it's not where I'm at. By the way, if that's you, let me just pause for a moment. Let's just talk, okay? One of the beautiful things about this passage is we think that this is a story of one rich man, but it's not. This is a story of two rich men. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, we are told that Jesus Christ, although he was rich, he became poor for you and me. He died on a cross. He laid in a tomb. He rose on the third day. And if this man, in that moment when he spoke to Jesus, if he could have just seen clearly who he was talking to,
that this was a God who left heaven for him. If he had simply seen clearly that he was not talking to a peasant from Palestine, but God himself, he would have walked differently that day. You need to know that Jesus Christ left the riches of heaven so you could have the riches of him for all eternity. And whatever it is that is going on in your life, you need to know no matter how big it is, it is not bigger than the God who left heaven for you and is here to meet you this morning. So what do you need to let go of?